Well, it's good to see everybody this morning. It's, uh, we have a great opportunity to uh, worship God and to get into his word. If we haven't properly met, uh, my name is Mike. I'm the youth and outreach pastor here at Abundant Life, and I'm humbled. Ooh, wow, I got a clap. <laughs> I, I love that I have the opportunity to serve uh, this church and this community, and I'm humbled and honored that Pastor John uh, asked me to, to speak this morning, that we can all be challenged uh, to dive into God's word and to mold and to shape our lives around his truth and around his promises. And so we're, we're going to be diving into uh, two areas of scripture today. And so I want to encourage you if, you, if you have your Bible with you, go ahead, open up to Exodus chapter 17. Or if you have your Bible app on your phone, you may do so. Uh, open up Exodus uh, there. Or if, if you don't have your Bible app, you don't bring your Bible, shame on you. Um, no, but there are, <laughs> there's Bibles in front of you. But also you can go to the uh, My ALC mobile app. You can follow along with the sermon notes there. We have the scripture in there as well. But here's the thing. There's two uh, truths that I want us to walk away with knowing today. And if there's nothing that you really remember this morning, I hope you can at least take away these two things. The first one is God is our banner. God is our banner and God wants to advance his kingdom. God is our banner, and God wants to advance his kingdom, and we're going to break that down this morning. But before we do that, before we even get into God's word, let's just pray. Father, thank you for who you are. Thank you for this opportunity to get into your word, God. I pray that we just surrender our hearts and our minds to you, God. Lord, as you challenge us, to, as we get into your word, that we, that we shape our lives around your very truth and your very promises to see your light shine in our world. May you speak, all of you, God, and none of me. Amen. All right, so um, looking at Exodus chapter 17, just to kind of give you a, an understanding of this passage. So the nation of Israel, they, uh, they've been freed from the great oppression uh, in Egypt, and they are traveling uh, to the land that God promised them. Uh, but on their way to the promised land, they, they face this circumstance. They have the Amalekite army uh, staring back at them. And, and throughout the Old Testament, we see this long feud with the Amalekites and the Israelites. And the Israelites, all they want to do is they want to get to the promised land. All they want to do is to get to the promised land. They, they, they came from captivity. Uh, they've been wandering all these years. They just want to get where God has called them to go. And there's this circumstance or this situation that's stopping them from, from them getting to their destination. Does that ever happen to you in life? Does it, it's like you, you're, you're doing something, you're trying to accomplish something, you're trying to get somewhere, and these little things just pop up and they become a hindrance in what you're trying, where you're trying to go or what you're trying to do. You know, maybe it's like you're at work and it's like, 15 minutes until you got to leave, and then you get, like, this last-minute project that you have to accomplish by the end of the day. Or if you, you only have a cert certain amount of time to go to the grocery store to get what you need to, so you have enough time to cook, and you got your kids that are throwing a temper tantrum right in the middle of the aisle, and everybody is staring at you saying you're that parent, you know, um, or, or this one, we probably experienced this most recently these past couple of weeks, but it's like, you're like, you see this open window to cut your grass. You're like, I'm doing it! And then like right in the middle, it's like, Whoo! and you got a half-cut grass yard and it looks terrible. 
Things like that, it's, it's, it, it goes against, you know, you know, what we're trying to do. And unfortunately, we, as much as we want to be in control of everything and make sure that everything goes right, we can't. It doesn't happen. Uh, Megan and I, we had uh, several graduation parties last weekend for all of our uh, graduates, and uh, we were trying to make every single one. And, you know, before kids, it was awesome. We could just go. We can show up. We can say hi to everybody. I can eat all the amazing food and, and play some volleyball, and it would be a good kick in time. Uh, with kids now, it, it's not that easy at all. You know, no longer can I just, like, sit down and enjoy some amazing food and have conversations with people. I'm literally hovering over my two-year-old, make sure that food is either staying on the table or going in his mouth and not everywhere else, or he's not running in places that he shouldn't be. We were at one house, and I was trying to make sure he didn't, like, snatch you know, the person's really expensive knickknacks, and and the owner is like, oh, just let him run. I'm like, you sure about that? Because next thing I saw, he was taking something and whipping one of the guests. Um, and so, this is my son. I'm not surprised. Um, we were at one party, and thankfully, it was outside. And so, we, uh, one of the foods is we introduced him to Little Smokies and Capri Suns. And we found out later that day that the combination of Little Smokies and Capri Suns and hot human weather and running all over the place was not a good combination. Because we're, we pack up and get him in his car seat, and he's like, oh, I'm like, suck it up, kid, let's go. You know, uh, I'm too, you know, it's like, <laughs> you're fine. We're five minutes from the next party. And the worst thing that I could ever hear is what I hear. <laughs> and I look in the rearview mirror. That was my first mistake. <laughs> I look in the rearview mirror, and what was inside of him was no longer inside of him, and it was everywhere. So we didn't make it to the other graduation party because we were home. Megan is hosing him off in the bathroom, and I'm hosing everything else outside. And, and that was a, a fun, fun memory that we'll always cherish and eventually laugh at one of these days. But listen, things happen that are beyond our control. We know that we're trying to get somewhere. We're knowing we're trying to accomplish something. And these little uh, challenges get in the way. And, and when it comes to God's promises, if God promised us something, we're to achieve it. But also with those promises, there's going to come challenges. There's going to come hurdles. There's going to come these massive giant walls or what we think is the size of a mountain standing in our way. And we have the choice to say, hey, I'm going to keep pushing through. Or I'm going to look at what's in front of me and I'm going to say, all right, that's good enough. Those are the choices that we have when it comes to those hurdles in life. And when it comes to God's promises... We have to keep fighting to have our focus on the destination, on what God has promised us. We have to fight to move toward the promise that we know God has laid in our hearts. Because here's the thing, believe it or not, we do have a very real enemy that would love nothing more than to get us sidetracked and get us distracted from obtaining what God has promised us. And so we have to keep pushing through. We have to keep fighting. We, we, we missed the party, but we still went out that night for another party. 
You know, it's because we, we and you know, that's just a, a fun story. But when you really look at things in life, there are times that, yes, we may have to slow down the pace, but it doesn't stop us from obtaining what God has promised us. And so when you're looking at Exodus chapter 17, it starts in verse 8. It says this, the Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. I'm, I'm, I'm going to step over here from a little bit, uh, but I really want to focus on something very important about this passage. See, God knows that when we're pursuing his promises, when we're pursuing the life that he's called us to live, we are going to get tired. We, we, we're physically, we're going to get tired in our fight. Mentally, emotionally, we're going to get tired in our fight. But see, God never called us in this pursuit alone. We're the, we're the church, we're the body of Christ for a reason, to where we are all fighting for the same goal in mind. And we have to, we have to stand side by side with each other in the pursuit of what God has called us to achieve. We can't do this alone. And we're going to see that this message of unity throughout these passages. But listen, in our culture, there are people that are hurting. There are people that are fighting anxiety and depression and abandonment and these physical and mental and emotional stress. And there are days where people give in to the fight. You know, in, in this past week, we've seen two very well-known individuals, uh, Kate Spade and Anthony Bourdain. They've taken their life this past week. And these are two individuals, they very wealthy, very well-known, have, have, have families, have lots of friends. They have a marketing brand that has, is very well-known in our world. They've traveled all across this world. And even to the, up to the point that they've taken their life, people saw and said, wow, they seem so happy. Wow, I've never expected this. I'm shocked. But yet the facade was there and it was hiding something deeper. We have this show on Netflix called 13 Reasons Why. And it hits on a lot of things of bullying and rape and suicide. And sure, I, I'm sure there, some, there were some good intentions trying to bring awareness to these things. But if anything, here's a show I feel, and this is my opinion alone, but I see it as glorifying the act. Church, when are we going to step up and step in to the people that are hurting and to the people that are feeling alone? And the people that are fighting depression and anxiety every single day. And the people that are ready to throw in the towel. Church, it's up to us where we need to lift some arms up. Even our own brothers and sisters in this own room. Not to mention our own community and our own world. We got to step in and step up and be the church. Because we know the fight is hard ourselves. 
So instead of asking, when we see people passing here at church on Sunday mornings, oh, hey, how's it going? No, really, how are you doing? Because we don't know how many people are passing us every single day that are covering the deep hurt inside. And they're waiting for somebody to fight for them and show them that there is a God that has given them purpose, that has given them life, and fights for them every single day. There's people in need of knowing that there's somebody that loves them so much that he gave his one and only son for him so that they may have life. I'm going to step off my soapbox now, and we're going to get back to this. But church, seriously, no, come on. No, no. Let's, let's not lose sight of what we're called to do as the church. Let's not lose sight of what God has been calling us to do and our purpose in life. God is our banner, and God wants to advance his kingdom. And so it picks up in, in, in verse 13. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this on a scroll as something to be remembered, and make sure that Joshua hears it, because I will completely blot out the name of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called it, the Lord is my banner. He said, because hands were lifted up against the throne of the Lord, the the Lord will be at war against the Amalekites from generation to generation. See, in battle, the front line would carry this flag that represented who they are and where they came from. And the, and the front line would carry this flag in the battle, and they would go forth. And everybody that was following in the army was following this flag because this flag represented something for them. It represented hope that we have a chance, and it was a focal point for the army to know that if this flag was still waving and was still in the air, that we still have hope and we still have purpose and we still have an end goal in mind. And so when we read this passage, Moses built this altar and called it, the Lord is my banner. See, in the King James Version, we see it says Jehovah Nisi, which Jehovah Nisi means the Lord is my banner. The Lord is my banner. And when I look at this banner and who my God is, my God has already gone before me. My God has already given me victory where I'm about to go. And he gives me hope. He gives me peace. He protects me. So all I have to do is just follow. And wherever God is before me, I can overcome. Wherever God is before me, I can experience victory. And those that come after God, the banner, will be walking in the purpose and their value and who they are in him. This banner represents a reminder of who our God is and what our God has already done. And as a church, are we waving the banner in our lives? Are we taking God as our banner and going into our community? Are we going into every household? Husbands, wives, parents? Are you waving the banner of who God is in your own household? Students, I know you're just coming out of school year, but you have a school campus where we need to wave of the banner of who God is and, and walk in it knowing that God has already given us victory on our school campus. Same goes for every office, every work area, for our neighborhoods and our community and our world. But if we don't take the banner, then what are we doing? If we're not waving the banner in our own lives, what are we doing with our faith? 
What are we doing with our relationship with God? Now listen, I'm not telling you you have to make your own little homemade flag like I did here and go into your neighbor's household and stand on their coffee house and wave the flag. (laughs) The Lord reigns here! You don't have to go to your boss's office and stand on his desk and like, Lord reigns! You'd be arrested or fired or both. Listen, it, it's, it's, it's not, we're not talking literal here, but we are talking a spiritual significance and, and what we believe and who our God is and how we are go, what we are going to do because of it. So here's what I want you to do. We're going to go to the second passage. Open up to Joshua chapter 6. In Joshua chapter 6, the Israelites, they, they, they've defeated the Amalekites. They, they come to the promised land. Uh, Moses, he, he dies, but he passes the leadership on to Joshua. And Joshua, he's leading uh, the Israelites. They go through, um, uh, what's that river called? Jordan, thank you. Brain fart. Uh, and they come to their promised land, and, and right in front of them is this slight challenge that's standing in the way of God's promise, and that's the massive city of Jericho. And if, if you're not familiar with the story, Jericho was this massive, fortified city. Uh, their walls were six stories high, so that's like 60 feet high, and they were 60 feet wide. And these walls were built to keep people out and also keep people in. And and every other nation knew not to attack Jericho because there's no way of getting over the walls. And they knew that the Jericho army could literally just stand on the edge of the walls and just drop stones and just knock people out. So people knew that they couldn't conquer Jericho. But Jericho is snap dab in the middle of the promised land. So it picks up in Joshua chapter 6, verse 1. It says, now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fixing men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry the trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. Then the wall of the sea will collapse and the army will go up, everyone straight in. Can you imagine being Joshua in this place? He, he's seen the sea split. He's seen the Israelites overcome the Amalekites. He's seen God's miracles. So he knows God is real and he knows God can do amazing things. And so he says, all right, God, that's our promised land. What you going to do? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Hmm? Oh. Okay. Seven, seven times. On the seven. Shout. Cool. All right. <laughs> it, not what I was expecting, but hey, you're God. You're sovereign. So, so, so you reign. You're, you're our banner, so you've already given us the, the, the city. All right, I'm going to go meet with, the, with your people and tell them what's up. 
So he's, can you imagine now? The millions of Israelites. All right, come in. Get close. Come on, all millions of you. All right, listen to this. All right, here's direction from God what we're going to do. Can you imagine the Israelites? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Huh? You know, it, it sounds so ridiculous. It sounds so absurd. We're, we're supposed to march around this city for six days, one day, or one time every day, and then the seventh time, do it seven times, and then after that, make a really loud noise, shout. There's times God calls us and gives us direction to go and do something. It's part of our purpose but in our mind, it sounds absurd. It sounds ridiculous. Our first initial reaction when we're hearing God's direction isn't always, okay, let's go. It's a, no? Oh, heck no. What? You know, a lot of times when, 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 God, when I feel like God's um, calling me to go and do something, you know, I, I want my first reaction to just to be yes, but it's not yes. I'm going to be real. I start asking these questions. If God tells me to go, go where? Where do you want me to go? Who am I supposed to be talking to? Uh, am I supposed to bring anything? Am I supposed to have my Bible? What am I supposed to Should I have a fanny pack with stuff in it just in case? Should I be ultra prepared? You know, is this a good selfie time? Like, like what do you want me to be doing, God? And God just gives us the, the, the direction that we can handle just in that moment. And so if you look at how the Israelites and how they respond, it says, picking up in verse 12, it says, Joshua got up early the next morning and the priest took up the ark of the Lord. The seven priests carrying the seven trumpets went forward, marching before the ark of the Lord and blowing the trumpets. The armed men went ahead of them and the rear guard followed the ark of the Lord while the trumpets kept sounding. So on the second day, they marched around the city and returned to the camp. They did this for six days. Six days. They kept walking by faith because of what God had given them direction to. For six days. They had to say, all right, God, I'm believing in what you're telling me to do. I'm believing that you promised me this land, so I'm going to do exactly what you told me. It doesn't make sense, but I'm going to do it. If you look at the Israelites, the, the Israelites didn't have, if the Israelites didn't have the faith to enter the promised land in the first place, they wouldn't have the faith to fight the battles in the promised land. What it comes down to, it always comes down to our approach. What is our approach in going and taking the land that God has called us to take? And what I mean by that, by taking the land, by going and sharing the gospel, by going and representing Jesus Christ wherever we go. God promised us that he was going to give us this land. And so with that promise, God's going to hold on to it. We just got to go and, and fulfill it. Our approach in declaring who God is in our lives and what he wants to do through us is when we're going to be able to accomplish many achievements. Our approach predicts our achievements. It's all about our approach. I love the story of Moses 
when he's leading the Egyptian, uh, leading the, the Israelites out of Egypt, and they're faced with the Red Sea, and they know that the Egyptians are on their tail, and Moses doesn't know what is next. All he knows is that he is to be freeing and to be leading the Israelites out of captivity. And so he's faced with the Red Sea. And so what does he do? He just takes a step. All right, God, I know what you call me to do. You called me to lead these people. Lead them to where you're calling them. Lead them out of the captivity of the Egyptians. But I don't know what you want me to do next. Takes another step. God, you know those, those Egyptians, they're, they're right on our tail. God, I need you to show up quick. Takes another step. God is getting really close. <laughs> I hear the Israelites talking. <laughs> They're starting to doubt. What's she going to do? Takes another step. And immediately, when his feet are planted exactly where they need to be, that's when God shows up. And that's when God reveals to lift his hands, lift that staff, and then what happens? The sea splits. See, many times we're always looking at the things or focusing on the things that we shouldn't be focusing on in our purpose that God has given us. What we need to be focusing on is putting one foot in front of the next. And when our feet are planted where they need to be, and when we're doing exactly what God has called us to be doing, that's when God makes it more clear. That's when God gives more direction. That's when God shows up. Because why? God is our banner. He's already gone before us. He's already given us the land. He's already softened the hearts of the people that we already need to be talking to. He's already prepared the area for us to be sharing Christ wherever we go. But it takes faith and one foot in front of the next to do what he's called us to do. When you look in verse 15, on the seventh day, the Israelites, they got back up and they started marching around the city. They do it seven times. One foot in front of the other. I'm sure there were doubts. I'm sure they were questioning what they were doing. I'm sure they were thinking, what do the people of Jericho think of us? But you know what? That didn't stop them from marching and putting one foot in front of the other. Because why? That's what God told us to do. And when we listen to God and do exactly what he told us to do, we're going to be able to achieve what he already promised us. And when we do it, then we start seeing what he promised. The seventh time around when the priest sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the army, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city the city and all that is in it, to be devoted to the Lord. And when the trumpet sounded, the army shouted, and at the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout, the walls collapsed. So everyone charged straight in, and they took the city. Because that was God's promise. You know what's sweet about this? God did everything that he promised them. With them remaining faithful to the direction that he given them, they accomplished everything that God promised them. But you know what's even sweeter? They didn't do it alone. 
It wasn't just Joshua and his faith and him marching. It wasn't just the priests of them marching and carrying the ark. It wasn't just the, the army. It was every single one of them with one goal in mind, to do exactly what God has called us to do and to remain faithful so that we can accomplish what he created us to do. It's because God has already gone before us. He's already conquered the lands that we are to go in and represent Christ but we do it together. It takes a group effort to reach as many as we can for his kingdom. It's, we are all about advancing God's kingdom. Listen, as much as I'd like to do it, I can't save all of Stephen City. I can't lead every single individual to be in relationship with Jesus. I can't go into every single school and lead every single student. I can't go into every single household and every single neighborhood by myself and lead them. I can't lead all of Virginia. I can't lead all of the U.S. I can't lead the whole world. I'm just one person. But it was never created just for one person. It's all of us. It's the whole church. And it's not because of my efforts and wanting to no, it's because God has already gone before us. He's already sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross so that every living soul can come and be in relationship with him. But before Jesus left this earth, he gave that great commission to his disciples and to his followers and the followers that were to come and saying, go and make disciples of all nations. We are passionate about advancing the kingdom. We are passionate about seeing this family here, Abundant Life, growing. That's why we're passionate about this multi-site. That's why we're passionate about supporting our missionaries, missionaries that, are, that are both serving in the U.S. and throughout the world. We are passionate about meeting a spiritual need in our community. People that don't just need a physical need, but need the spiritual need of Jesus Christ in their life. We're passionate of going to Houston next month and, and, and bringing the, a beacon of hope and light to those that lost so much, but don't know that their greatest need is a relationship with God the Father. We're so passionate to be partnering with Lithuania and be able to see in, in multiple years a church being planted and that we're able to send multiple people from our home church to go and be a part of that. that why, that's why in July of 2019, we're hoping to send multiple teams. We're passionate about growing and advancing the kingdom. But what's your approach? Because as a, as a Christ follower, that's what I call myself. If I'm not passionate about advancing the kingdom, then am I, am I really passionate about Christ? I'm going to call it the way I see it. What's your approach to God right now? What's your approach towards him? Has your life truly been broken by who he is and what he's done that has radically transformed your life to where it's no longer about me, but it's about who he is and what he's called me to do? 
Is it about taking this banner and wherever I go in this community and through this church and in this state and in this world that I know that God is is for me, God is with me, God has gone before me, so I already know wherever I go, life is going to be changed because God has already been there. All I got to do is keep putting one foot in front of the other and believing in faith and speaking out truth and love all around me. Because that's what is the promise. What is our approach towards God this morning? Are we just going to him because we need him? Or are we going to him as our source of strength, our source of love, our source of peace that's going to continue to lead us to achieve great and mighty things to advance the kingdom? When we fully, fully walk in who God is and we carry this banner high, our approach towards God changes our approach to others. Because when we're focused on who he is, when we're, our eyes are fixed on him, his promises, his blessings overflow through us that pours into others. That all we got to do is just put one foot in front of the other and we're carrying his presence. And the people that we interact with, the people that come in God's presence, come on. They come and experience him. Church, we need to be the church that advances the kingdom. We need to be the church that waves the banner high. My Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is my banner. He's already given me victory. He's already promised me what's ahead of me. I just got to go. And I got to be faithful. And I got to be obedient. It's a shift in our approach. Not doing just because we're supposed to do, but doing it because we want to achieve all that God has for us. On your seats this morning, you saw this little white flag. I want to encourage you. God has been putting a name on your heart or he's been calling you to a specific place to wave the banner and to advance the kingdom. And I want to encourage you, before you leave today, to write that person's name. Or write that location. That location could be a, a, a country. That location could be a, a household, or your neighborhood. It could be exactly where God is calling you to go. And to share his truth. And to share his love. And I want you to put that flag somewhere you're going to see it. You're going to put it where you're going to keep reflecting on it. And it's going to remind you two things. That my God is my banner, my victory. He's gone before me and he's given me the land that he's calling me to go. 
and he's calling me to advance his kingdom. That every life, every living person, every area that is hurting and that is hopeless will come and find hope and life and purpose in God the Father. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for who you are. God, I thank you that you have always been faithful to us. That what you promised us, God, you've never gone back on a promise. That what you said, you've always done. And that you'll always do. God, I pray for this church. I pray for every man and every woman in, in your house. That we change our approach in living out our faith. We shift our eyes from the, from the things that we see in our culture and we fix our eyes completely on you. Our faith, our purpose, our identity, our self-worth and value, it's only in you. And God, as our eyes are fixed on you, God, our banner, God, I pray that we go out of these doors, go out from this building and we advance your kingdom. We take the land that you've promised us. Every living soul that is hurting right now, every living soul that has found contentment in life without you, God, that we can be your people and be your church and to share your love and to share your hope and to take the land by your love. God, we know you don't need us to do that, God, because you could instantly do that. But God, what we're saying today is we're saying yes to you and no to everything else, to the opportunity that you're presenting us, that every heart and every soul will know you as God the Father. We thank you, Lord, and pray all this in your name.